welcome to Per Contra with Tijuana and Squint. Hey everybody, welcome back to Per Contra with Tijuana and Squints. I'm Squints, with me as always is my co-host Tijuana. Um, before we get started today, we wanted to really quickly uh, mention a couple games that we personally think are just underrated, lesser known, and things we want you guys to know about just so that you can have that little bit of extra enrichment in your life. So... Tijuana, do you want to let us know what your your choice is? Yeah, um, my choice today is uh, an old Game Boy Advance game called Summon Knight, a Swordcraft story. Oh, I've heard of that. It's yeah, it's a. Uh, I'm surprised that you have actually. No one else that I talked to about the game has heard of it, but um, it's an old JRPG that got ported um, over to America and. It was an awesome game. Um, but the premise is that you you are a son or daughter of what's called a craft knight, which are protectors of the land of blacksmithing. And um, your job is to be good, become as good at blacksmithing and fighting with the weapons that you make as possible. And you recruit a spirit companion to help you along the way. So they lend their magical powers help you enchant your weapons then you fight through dungeons to find greater materials to build greater weapons and advance in the tournament to um, become a craft knight like your father who is now dead so it's a super fun game awesome story really cool characters and it's a lot of fun i'm sure you guys can um, find a way to either buy it online for super cheap or emulate it or something like that if you're interested in playing so yeah, that sounds really awesome, actually. It has, as you explain it, you know, all of the things that I kind of look for in a high fantasy medieval RPG style game, it sounds like they're all present. Yeah, it's really cool. It's steampunky. It has a really cool, like, smithing system that's pretty simple and easy. The combat's really fun, and it lets you kind of express yourself in making, like, magical weapons you can build like a flame axe or a water spear or whatever and it's it's a lot of fun oh that's awesome dude okay so my choice for today is it's a lot newer than that um it was released i want to say like two maybe three years ago and it's a little indie platformer called celeste uh it's really really fantastic beautiful art design in a very retro um, 8-bit style and it's this adorable little platformer about a girl named Celeste or, no her name's not Celeste her name's like Madeline uh, climbing Celeste Mountain and it's a story about finding yourself and battling your inner demons overcoming like negativity and self-doubt and it has this amazing story amazing level design it's insanely hard and just really beautiful really polished and i don't think enough people know about it i don't think enough people talk about it i played it with my brother-in-law a couple years ago and we we literally we bought it on a whim and we started and finished it in one night we stayed up all night long playing it because we <laughs> couldn't put it down that's awesome 
and I'm I'm not usually one for platformers. Uh, I mean, like I've played Mario and Donkey Kong and and uh, a couple other small platformers, but I'm not into stuff like Super Meat Boy and things like that, you know. But this yeah. really just grabbed my attention, and if I'm being totally honest, I thought it was better than a lot of games like Mario and Donkey Kong. It was more engaging. The story was better. It was more challenging. And, again, the art style just really, really makes me feel something that I, I don't get a lot in modern platformers. Right, and I think that's something that the games that we both we both talked about share is that they're they're compelling on more than one level. You know, it's not just about mechanical gameplay, but um, it teaches you something, and that's why that game stayed with me too. It's um, it, it touches on some pretty heavy subjects and it does it it does it really well in like a way that you know my 12 year old self could like really vibe with so right right and it it kind of presents the concept of overcoming these hard things in a light-hearted fashion you know a right. fashion that's still fun and it's just not depressing to play through it right and i feel like that's what a video game is all about right you're supposed to be able to kind of go away to a world where like your problems are more manageable you feel like you're more in control and so like you're able to put yourself in the shoes of someone who's kind of overcoming your problems and because of and because of that like it gives you kind of the the motivation to try and and fight your own problems sure yeah totally um anyway guys highly recommend you check out these suggestions um again celeste and tijuana years was Summon Knight. It's Summon Knight, and Knight is with an N, not a K. Okay. Awesome. So, yeah, check those out. Um, and like I mentioned, I personally think Celeste is better than um, a lot of the big platformers we see, like Mario and Donkey Kong, which kind of has to do with what we're talking about today, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, totally. Um, today, I was thinking we could talk about... Um, really just the, the a lot of the Nintendo games in general and um, the modern trends that a lot of the the products that Nintendo's putting out lately um, are following with and um, I thought it would be a fun discussion to, to have with you here to um, see what your thoughts are on it and uh, um, I think and since you mentioned it let's let's go ahead and and start with with Mario sure um, do you remember what the first Mario game you played was? Um, like the first Mario game I played myself or like chronologically the oldest Mario game I've ever played? The, your, I guess your first experience with, with the franchise would be kind of my the thing that I'm trying to, to ask. Okay, sure. So my first real experience with Mario, if I'm being totally honest, was the Super Mario Brothers Wii. The first Mario game to come out on the Wii is my first okay. experience with the franchise. Okay, so this will be good um, because I think we can um, talk about like an older experience versus kind of a later one. Um, mine would be Super Mario World um, okay. for the Super Nintendo. Yeah. And so um, you you go ahead and just exp- like, I guess, give a, a brief rundown of like what what that experience was like did you like it did you feel like really engaged or 
um, and get specific. So um, just to give our listeners a little bit of my background, my history, I guess, uh, I was living with my dad at the time and we were going through some like rough family stuff and me and my dad would play Mario together like at night before I went to bed. I was like 14 maybe. And it was a great game. It it was fun. It was extremely, extremely frustrating, uh, especially when you play it with another person because you're constantly like bouncing on each other's heads and killing each other. And then, you know, when you die in Mario, there's that like lag spike where the whole game freezes while your dying animation happens. And then that screws up the other person and they die too and you have to start over and so (laughs) there was a lot of frustration involved in us playing uh and i i do remember fondly the time that i spent playing but it's more that i remember fondly like bonding with my dad over playing this game right i i've tried to play it since then and i've tried to play it by myself and i just i play like a level or two for the nostalgia but that's it. It's not a game where I can pick up and I can play the whole thing through again and again and again. You know, I, I think it's really repetitive. And when it really comes down to it, all the levels feel the same to me. And because of that, it can be a lot of fun to play with other people because the fun part is your interaction with your friends on the couch next to you. But the game itself is not that engaging in my opinion. Right. Yeah. That that makes sense to me, especially like coming from like that being your first one. Um I would say like I I don't remember too much my first experience with Mario like, you know, it was just like I was so young I was playing it like and, you know, I think like it was probably too hard for me. Like I I don't think I would have necessarily even been able to get into it really just cuz I was so young. And so um I would say more so my first like real like conscious and memorable experience with Mario would be like um the 3D Mario games. Sure, Super like Mario, Mario 64. 64 and Super Mario Sunshine. Um those those ones were a little bit more like I was I would be able to like remember like the specific frustrations that I would have and stuff like just like how easy it was to die and stuff like that and having to start all the way back over at the beginning of the level and and those kind of things those kind of feelings um and i guess this is like a good kind of viewpoint to view this from this discussion that we're having is um as a kid i didn't really get into like because sometimes i'd watch some of my friends play these games and i i couldn't i couldn't relate really to their struggle like why did they want to beat this game so bad like i i, I don't know like for to me like it wasn't fun enough to like want to try and get to the end like i i never beat any of the mario games i never like sat down and was like okay i'm beating this tonight you know what i'm saying because like i would i would get stuck at a part and i wouldn't feel any reason to like really need to get to the end there was nothing pushing me there there was no like thing to figure out there was no story pushing me towards the end there was no like I guess engaging challenge where I thought like I was getting better at the game and I felt like satisfied to get better. It always just kind of felt like it was like, okay, I beat this level and it was, I just kind of got lucky that time. And so I'll take it and hopefully I don't have to deal with like that 
specific type of enemy again and i'll just like move on with my life you know what i'm saying do you kind of feel that no i i totally agree with that and one thing that i thought of while you were saying that um one of my favorite games as a kid and it's not a nintendo franchise uh but i really loved the ratchet and clank series on playstation when i was a kid right and i think about the things that make me love that series versus mario and one of the things is the natural feeling of progression in Ratchet and Clank, right? The story is progressing, your character's leveling up and gaining more health and stronger weapons and more money to buy things and do stuff. And in Mario, the only real progression is like your own skill ceiling. You know, the right. only thing that changes is how good you are at timing your jumps or finding the hidden one-up things or you know, finding all of the secret blocks and vines hidden in the level so you can get the star coins, but you don't make more money, you don't get more health, you don't level up. And even in a game like Dark Souls, where there's no difficulty setting, you're finding better equipment, you're getting stronger, you're getting more health, you're getting more XP. And in Mario, there's none of that. Right. And so I feel like there's this disconnect because as a player, if I put Mario down for a year, I can come back to it and remember everything about it. You can't do that with another game, which is why you like rush to beat other games, right? Which is why it took my dad and I a year and a half, two years to beat one Mario game right. because we were just playing it just to play it, not for the sake of loving the franchise. Right, and I think this is something that is perfect to talk about so let's take a step back for a second and i just want to talk a little bit more subjectively now that you guys have kind of heard our mario experience and kind of see through the lens that we're seeing through so subject like a little bit more subjectively nothing on the show is going to be fully subjective but a little bit more subjectively um when when the mario games were coming out they were they were revolutionary the and I'll just use Mario 64 as an example. The movement and the camera and everything in that game was amazing. Being able to move in 3D and things like that. Like, just those elements that you talked about, the the skill ceiling progression, being able to control Mario in a way that he will be able to get to the end of the level, that was, that was revolutionary for its time. Sure. And so the thing that I kind of really wanted to discuss was that's what was pushing that game and made it so i guess impactful and able to ingrain itself into into like the heart of all of our nostalgia um but that not, that hasn't changed uh in the geez 25 years since mario 64 right. like if you if you look at the 3D mario games just the 3D mario games but really all of them um the, I, the Mario 64 had really really no story had the same story as Mario always has had rescue princess peach and uh, and you know story's not the only thing it's also just simply mechanics which is like just getting the collectibles and then like and occasionally like getting the wing hat and flying around and then there's the water levels that you have to swim through but once again those things have been around since Super Mario World like since Super Nintendo days 
Um, they just integrated into the 3D space. And so now you have these newer Mario games coming out with Sunshine, Galaxy, and then Odyssey, which are the 3D Mario games. And <laughs> I guess the big thing that I just want to discuss and the trend that I had mentioned earlier was that Nintendo keeps re-releasing their games because they're so successful and, be and they're selling because of that nostalgia because we loved mario so much we just want to have another experience with him um but <laughs> we're not really having another experience with him we're having the same experience right well and i think you're totally right and i think that comes through when you listen to like reviewers online for example right i watch a lot of um like game ranks and what culture videos and you never hear them talk about new Mario games. They always talk about how um, Super Mario Bros. 3 is their favorite or uh, Super Mario 64 was their favorite or how they loved Super Mario Sunshine because they remember how those games individually were revolutionizing the video game space at the time yeah. and revolutionizing our experience with Mario, right? versus these re-releases of content that at this point has become old hat right. um we're not we're not getting a new experience with mario we're getting a reskinned experience with mario which is why they like you said they sell because we love mario and we want to have another great experience with mario but they don't become anybody's favorite and maybe, you know, maybe anybody is not the right word to use, but they don't become the new favorite Mario game because that game already exists and is someone's favorite. Right. Yeah. And that's kind of a good, like, since you said not, like, not necessarily everyone, I think that would be kind of a good, good question to pose is for those of you out here there who the most recent, like, stuff, the more recent stuff, for those of you out there who, like, Mario Odyssey is your favorite Mario or new Super Mario Bros 2 Wii U Electric Boogaloo if that's your favorite one <laughs> then you know tell us why I really want to know why because for me it's exactly like Squint said there's there's no there is no new adventure what's new about that game and I'm I'm being serious seriously tell me I'm not saying this in a way that like you won't be able to. I really just want to know why do you like that game more? Because I played them all. And and it's true. That feels that way. And for those of you that are feeling this same way, um what what's your what's been your experience? Why do you keep buying the new game? There right. because we're we're funding this problem by by continuing to pay for these games that Nintendo's making, right? If if one of these games flopped ever, then they might re reconsider what they're doing. But they all are successes because, you know, you, you talk to people and they say like, oh, I really want a game that's innovative. I really want a game that's new. I want some new, new mechanics. I really want something fresh and and risky. And that and I hear that kind of stuff a lot, but but money talks. And that's not really what, what I'm hearing right now because most people are paying for the same old stuff. And I 100% I agree with what Tijuana has said at this point. And when we say, tell us why you like the new games, like if if uh, the Super Mario Bros. Wii U 
was your favorite Mario game ever made? Tell us why. Not because we think you're wrong or because we want to hear you fumble through an argument, but like we genuinely want to know, you know, and and if I could be convinced that that is the best Mario game and there are genuine reasons why, that would be fantastic. You know, I I would I would welcome my opinion to be changed. I just have not been able to find a reason personally why the newer versions of the Mario games wouldn't would be my new favorite, you know. Right. And Tijuana brought up a good point that if we want something to change, we've got to stop buying them. You know, like you said, you want something risky and new, but then they release Mario Party 8 and we all buy it, even though it's basically just, they just took every Mario Party game that existed before and put them in one game and sold it for 60 bucks. And I will fully admit that I bought that game and I play it with friends, but it's nothing new. There is nothing new in the newest Mario Party game. We literally, literally are seeing the exact same mini games with updated graphics. And we all gobbled it up. Yeah, I mean, at this point, the graphics aren't even that much updated. <laughs> like, they kind of had that going for them, but Nintendo, like, really just kind of didn't want to push themselves very much in, in that sense either, honestly. Like, and uh, speaking of graphics and stuff like that, I actually, uh, I want to, um, going back a little bit to how we talked about the new Mario games and how they're they're not commonly someone's favorite um i kind of want to talk about um the legend of zelda breath of the wild um oh, okay because okay. that that is a lot of people's favorite zelda yes yes it is and um i still feel like the same argument applies to those games so um what was your experience with breath of the wild do you feel like it's do you feel like it's um kind of a new take on Zelda? So I didn't beat it. And if I'm being honest, I didn't beat a lot of the older Zelda games. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't feel like Breath of the Wild, in my experience, felt that different from something like Ocarina of Time. Yeah. If I, like, I mean, the, obviously the world is more open and expansive because the hardware can handle that now. Right. Right. Um, and like it's it's it is one of those games absolutely where if you can see it, you can go there. Outside of that, it didn't feel that different from a lot of the older uh 3D Zelda games, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. And I had the same experience. That's kind of why I asked you, hoping that maybe you had something. And this is something we're gonna have to bounce back to you listeners again, is just um if there was something that you really felt like Having played uh, Majora's Mask and Ocarina of Time, um, and even something like Wind Waker, um, what what was it that made Breath of the Wild your favorite versus those ones? And this this is the argument that I hear when I talk to my friends about this, and they say, "Oh yeah, Breath of the Wild, super good new game. Um, it's it's my probably my favorite Zelda now." And I say, "Oh, why is that?" And they'll say, oh, man, it's like it's like Skyrim, but like in 
in Zelda form, man. It's like so cool. There's there's so many new mechanics, so many new items, so many new collectibles and stuff like that. And there's like a survival function now. You have to like, you know, do like some a little bit of like role playing and do that like yeah, it's a huge world, open world Skyrim and <laughs> my thing is that uh when the when the Ocarina of Time came out, <laughs> it was it was like it it was like the Elder Scrolls, but in Nintendo form. Like that's that's what Zelda is, guys. It's like that's what it's always been, and it's always been the open world game. And so when Ocarina of Time came out, it's just like Mario. The cool thing about Ocarina of Time was that it was open world. You could go. And just the world would load in front of you. That was the cool thing. You didn't have to jump into a level like you did in Mario. The world would just load. And you could run and run and run and run forever. And that's what an open world game was. It defined the genre. And so repackaging it and making it into something that seems like it's revolutionary again. They've been doing it for 20 years, guys. It's not, it's not anything new and special. It's all the open world game. That's what Zelda always has been. Right. And I've heard it compared to Skyrim also. I've heard it compared to games like The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt. And I'm going to get so, so much hate for this. And that's okay. And I want everyone to know that if you love Breath of the Wild, more power to you. Love it. I want you to love it. I'm not trying to tell you not to love it. But comparing Breath of the Wild to Oblivion or Skyrim or The Witcher is blasphemy, dude. They're they're yeah, they're in totally different playing fields as far as what you're getting, right? I mean, look at uh, we'll look at Skyrim that you brought up. Your character is fully customizable. The story is immersive. The story is new. Okay. I want you guys to tell me how many times are you okay with playing the same, oh, let's kill Ganon before he destroys the world story? How many times are you okay with playing the same, let's rescue Princess Peach from Bowser story? Because it's been the same since the beginning of the franchise. Versus games where Oblivion had a unique story, Skyrim had a unique story, um, the Witcher 3 had a unique story compared to The Witcher 1 and 2. Uh, the Fallout games all have unique stories to their own uh, their own game versus the overarching IP. And so, like, ask yourself, just, just so that you know for yourself, are you loving Breath of the Wild because it's a masterpiece and because it's the best game ever made, or are you loving Breath of the Wild just because it says Zelda on the front. Right. And you're reliving the experience where you're where you're playing as Link and you're hearing him go, hot, hot, hot. And <laughs> it feels right. You know what I'm saying? Like it feels like you're a kid again. And that's fine. Like like Squint said, that's not a bad thing to love. No, yeah, that's, that's that's totally a fine thing to do. And I will be the first person to admit that I do that. I played I have played every Ratchet and Clank game since the first one, even the ones that are not good because I love Ratchet and Clank. And right. and I'm willing to admit that and 
that's okay. It's okay that I love them because they remind me of my childhood, but I would never try to argue with someone that they are like the best games ever made and that they've revolutionized the over the shoulder shooter. I, I would never because they haven't. Right. And that's, that's what we're here to do, right? That's our job is to, to present the viewpoint from the other side. And and I and this is this is the point that I that I want to get across is that the these games are are tired and and we could have so much more from them. And so like glorifying them is doing us no good because it's basically sending the message that's saying like, we really like this, do more. And so Nintendo's going, Oh man, this is making us a bunch of money. Let's keep doing this, guys. And we're not we're not getting what we could have and and that's what kind of makes me sad like if if you think about like this like the point that you brought up like comparing elder scrolls like like oblivion like i don't, I don't know how many guys have played elder scrolls 4 that game came out in 2006 and breath of the wild came out in 2017 in 2006 you could customize the facial features of your character you could pick from like thousands of items right and and like breath of the wild is supposed to be cool because it has all these like items and collectibles and like all the chests and stuff that you can find like i've been doing this my whole life guys like (laughs) i (laughs) i was i was 10 when oblivion came out like this stuff is this stuff isn't new this stuff isn't revolutionary and and you know that's not the point the mechanics and like the the depth don't always necessarily make a great game oblivion is a fantastic game but just think of all the quest lines that you can do I could play that game a thousand times in a thousand different ways and and still not be doing the same thing. And that's just one game. I could play every single Zelda game that's came out since Ocarina of Time and and I wouldn't be able to play it. I wouldn't be able to play it as many different ways as there is games. And right. so, you know, this is this is just focusing on like one or two things. Like I said, um, and of course, this is all subjective opinion stuff. Like, just because I like this game more than the, than another game doesn't make it better. Um, but just trying to talk subjectively as far as what the game has done um, in being revolutionary and being new and being something enjoyable and being a benchmark game, the the new Nintendo releases just don't hold up to what um, has been produced 20 years ago, even. Yeah, they definitely... And again, maybe they do for you guys, but for me, they do not create the same magic for me that the older releases do. You know, I I find myself, the games that create that magic for me now are fresh and risky, like Tijuana said, things I've never seen before, or things that take a common concept and give us a spin that feels fresh enough to feel different, right? Whether that's a new playable character or new mechanics or a new world or storyline, Zelda and Mario, Pokemon, they're not doing that anymore. Yeah. Yeah, and Pokemon is is a prime example as well. Yeah, we don't have to get too much into the same argument. Um, but I guess just to give another group of of people who have these beloved games, another um, food for thought. Uh, my thing about the Pokemon games is that they're they're the perfect example of not doing anything risky or revolutionary. 
they even they even remake their games as like part of their new games. Yeah, that's like their thing is to remake their games. Um, but my thing about Pokemon is that what's so funny about it is when they when they do take risks and they hand it over to another developer and they say, "All right, guys, have fun with this." It, it's always like legendary. Like I don't know if you've played like Pokemon Snap, Pokemon Coliseum, Pokemon Stadium, like Pokemon Troze, Pokemon Ranger. Like I could go on forever. All of the Pokemon spinoff games are amazing. They're right. great. Those are the ones that slap the hardest for sure. Yeah, and and it's because like whoa, I'm like experiencing the Pokemon world through this new lens, and it's awesome and it's cool. And imagine if we got that top tier game development top tier story like imagine a tear jerking story in the pokemon world where you're like immersed and you're there and you customize your character and you worked your butt off to catch a pokemon and now you're like going through the real stuff with your rival like imagine a world like that everyone wants a world like that but we're enabling our lives to not to not get that because we just keep buying these bad pokemon games but right. yeah well, and okay, I'm sure you remember it, but the the old Pokemon movie from when we were kids, um, Pokemon like Rise of Mewtwo, I think is what it was called. Yeah, it's something okay. like that. I know yeah. what movie you're I, talking about. I don't remember the yeah. exact title. If someone knows it, let us know. Uh, I'm sorry, I can't remember it. But that movie, Kay, as a kid who didn't have access to the Pokemon games um, at, at in that era right? I had, I had to experience them later. Um, but as a kid whose only experience with Pokemon was the TV show, that movie made me freaking cry, dude. It was so gripping and you, you cared about the creatures, you cared about the, the trainers. And I want that in a Pokemon game, right? Yeah. I, I want that same level of emotional depth in a Pokemon game and I want the same level of like world building and development in a Pokemon game and I know that if we talk about this right people are going to bring up the newest game Arceus Legends yeah and I hear you but that's not a that's not a great argument because I I don't know Tijuana have you seen that game have you played yeah. it no, I, well, I'm actually trying to stick to my guns and not buy the games that I don't think should be supported. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, I've looked into it and I've seen gameplay and I've heard all about it and stuff. And uh, I just, yeah, I, it's, it's like they're like kind of responding to, and, and the thing is, it almost hurts a little bit because oh, yeah, I it's feel like, like insulting. It, it feels like they're like laughing in their m- mansions with all their cars at me because they're saying like, oh, look, like we're making our fans happy because they're saying like, look, here, here, you got your open world game. You got your open world Pokemon game. Are you happy? And it's like, no, I'm not happy <laughs> because I could have played this game 30 freaking years ago. No joke. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that sounds like an exaggeration, but it's not. Like, I played games on the Sega Genesis that had an open world like this. Like, I'm not I'm not kidding you. Like, and that's and that's the thing. And it, it and that's why it feels insulting, because look at look at what the AAA game development companies are doing. And this 
is the franchise this franchise the single most affluent media franchise in history okay so they've got the money they've got the time they've got the resources this is the argument that people give me when when i say that game freak is lazy and terrible developers they say Oh, well, like, imagine porting over all of those Pokemon animations and all those sprites and stuff. Oh, my god! And, like, gosh. imagine how much time that would take. Like, you got to give those developers a break. They're trying to come out with a new game every year. Like, and I'm just like, dude, that's the biggest BS I've ever heard. Like, the people, like, by themselves are programming and making better games than this without a team. They're composing their own freaking music and writing all their own code. And they're making, they're making bigger and better games than this. It's like, and that's why it feels insulting is because like, if you just think about like the, the experiences that you've had with like an open world game with like real quests and real characters and real story. Um, and then you compare it to something like Legends Arceus and you just take yourself out of it for a second and you take yourself out of the picture and you take your Pokemon loving heart out of it for a second, because don't get me wrong, guys, I love Pokemon and then you just try to look at it from that perspective. That's when it feels insulting because you're like, hey, look at what they're getting. Mom and dad, all the other kids of all the other fans of all the other types of games out there. Look what they're getting. Can I have some of that? And imagine your parents just being like, no, we have that at home. Right. And then it's like Pokemon at home. And it's like comparing Legends Arceus to like freaking Elden Ring or something like that. Like <laughs> the newest, biggest games like it's no comparison if you really just compare it like apples to apples like that. No, I, I totally agree with you. And I think a perfect example of the difference in quality is the Witcher three wild hunt ported to Nintendo switch. Okay. Okay. We're talking about CD project red who you know, a lot of people still consider a small-time indie developer. Like, The Witcher 3 was their first highly successful, like, triple-A-level game, okay? So we're talking about a studio that's small and relatively underfunded, especially when you compare them to Game Freak, and they produced a game with an immersive, expansive, interactive world that dwarfs anything that I have seen or experienced in the new Pokemon Legends game, right? Right. And then when you take into account that that game was not designed to release on the Switch, it was designed to release on PC and 8th gen gaming consoles, right? It was yeah. designed for Xbox One and PS4 and PC. And then this tiny developer took that game compressed all those files and made it run on a platform with much less processing power than the platforms it was designed for right and it runs beautifully on the switch okay yeah. you're not missing anything in the world you're not missing anything as far as the mechanics go you're not even really missing that much graphically and then you have game freak who's been making Pokemon games for decades, they hear your cry for an open-world Pokemon game, and they give you a game that is so empty, lacks interaction with anything, mm -hmm. and a game where any asset farther away from your character than, like, 
15 yards displays itself at like four frames per second. Right. And so am I supposed to feel cared about and valued as a consumer of this franchise when you're giving me, you know, this unfinished middle finger of a game that I've been begging for for 15 years? Right. Yeah. And if you just look at it bare bones, like Pokemon, like Pokemon Red and Blue are open world, quote unquote, open world. Like you can walk into the next town and it doesn't put you into the loading screen. You know what I'm saying? Like that's technically open world. So all they did was like move the camera down a little bit and give you these like 15 year old graphics that like are like HD'd up a little bit and then yeah added some instead of making it like a turn-based battle scene when you run into the grass they just had the pokemon walking around yeah they gave you they gave you pokemon red and blue they smoothed the edges and they added a dodge roll that's all they did and we're buying it yeah you know i mean i personally didn't buy it but i've my brother-in-law has it and i play it a lot with him and the more i play it the more I feel disappointed and the more I feel like we deserve more as players and lovers of this franchise. Right. Yeah. And it, it, and it just stinks that like, you know, that's, that's the way it is. But like those of you who are hearing what we're saying, like there are games out there for you. It's, it just might, it just might lie other uh, elsewhere. And like, um, that's my thing is like, a game like Pokemon, like it's it's so replayable, and like you can still get your Pokemon experience. You like you don't need to you don't need to feed into this. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, you can you can still go back and enjoy your Pokemon, especially like those of you who like haven't played the oldest games. Um, like go go see where the roots come from, and go back instead of like trying to trying to dig your heels in with these games. And then also be willing to to try out some other stuff. Um, this is what I always tell my friends who are really into like big three anime and stuff like that is like there's so much better stuff out there. You just have to be willing to get out of your comfort zone a little bit and like and just like kind of put down the like the feelings of like holding on really tight to like the thing that's working for you because that's what these developers are doing. Like, imagine if someone presented you with this scenario. They were like, okay, so here's what you here's what I'm going to tell you. This game right here that you've already made, all I need you to do is, like, remake this game and, like, not do anything risky, and you'll for sure make $50 million. Or you can, like, really push yourself artistically, go for broke, make something crazy, and who knows how much money you're making. The developers are always going to take the free money. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's, 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 it's almost no choice for them. They have no choice in the matter because at that point, like, why would you? And so, yeah, it's just an exercise in thought of like, okay, I'm the one who has control in this situation. So I'm the one who needs to change. And so you have to, you have to be willing to like undig your heels and put down that, like that feeling of like needing to hold on to something that you love so bad. And just like branch out a little bit and try something else. Um, that's you know that's why we included the the lesser known video games at the beginning. Um, is for you guys who are feeling that right now. 
Right. And I know we're coming up on our time here, Tijuana, but real quick, the whole point of this episode was not to take a dump on the most beloved franchises in gaming, right? That's not the point. And if you love a lot of the games that we've talked about, I want you to love them. We're not trying to convince you not to love them. I just, you know, all we want you guys to understand is you as gamers deserve better. And the only way you're going to get it is if you demand better, right? If you had a friend that was in a relationship and the other person in the relationship was, you know, constantly blowing them off and was constantly talking to other people and not giving as much as they were getting out of the relationship, you would tell them to leave. You would tell them they deserved better. And that's what we're telling you. We're telling you you deserve better, right? And the only way you're going to get it is by realizing that you deserve better and realizing that there are other options out there, like Tijuana was saying, and they're very, very accessible to you. Right. And luckily enough, video games aren't like girls. They don't get mad right. to go right. and play someone else, right? Like you can still come back to the to the games that you like. So, um, yeah, this, of course, is just all food for thoughts for discussion purposes. It's because we want to hear your guys' side of the argument. It's because we want to um, present something new that maybe hasn't been talked about and, and create a discussion out of that and build a community around that. So, um, yeah, like, like Squint said, if you want to participate, um, that's what we're looking for. So thank you. Yeah. So, you know, send us an email, get in the comments, whatever. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you love. Tell us how we're wrong. We want to hear it. We want to hear it all from you, you know? And if you want to hear more, let us know. And maybe we can revisit the topic in the future. But for the time being, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. See you later, guys. Thank you.